On the Fit for Purpose podcast this week, I talk with Suzanne Carey. She's Head of Equality, Diversity and Inclusivity at the University of the West of England. We talk about how Suzanne's role can have real impact on social mobility and how she's brought her own personal lived experience to make that role really help widen access to university and also the role of the innovative FutureQuest programme that the university has played a big role in. It's helping students realise their own potential by enabling them to see a pathway through towards higher education. Suzanne, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Obviously, just like every university, the University of West England has really been affected by COVID. And this semester probably has been very different to many of the, the terms you'd have had. Tell us a little bit about what it's actually meant for UWE and, and what it's meant for students as well. Yeah, it definitely has been a different start to the year. Um, we actually saw this as an opportunity, I suppose, to try and make some changes. Um, something we'd been talking about for a long time was looking again at our induction and really thinking about how we could make sure that we helped students to really understand uh, what it means to be a university student, to really settle in. Induction always feels so fast and too fast for a lot of students. So we took a really different approach to a lot of other universities, I think, in that we had a four-week online induction period called Clero. And every week there was a different theme. Um, and it was developed collaboratively across the university over the summer period. So it was a huge amount of work went into it and lots of different people working together in ways they'd never done before to develop material. Um, so we had, I was particularly involved, for example, in a week um, focused on community and understanding what it means to be part of the UE Bristol community. And mm -hmm. it began with some self-led activities online where students worked through a sort of standalone module where they were, um, where they helped, where we helped them to understand our expectations of their behavior um, in terms of the behaviours that we expect at university and the behaviours we don't tolerate, um, like discrimination and harassment, things like that, and then really helping them to understand what that really meant using interactive and video resources. And then, um, and then they, they then worked through that, exploring different communities they belong to, what their programme community is, what their um, sort of professional communities might be, um, what it's, where they came from, where they want to get to, and they worked through, so there was kind of a week of themed activities and everything sort of linked to that. Um, and students have said that it really helped them to really feel kind of grounded and settled before their online um, teaching, face-to-face -face mixed teaching really began. Do you think in many respects, you know, the best way of doing all of this going forward is almost a combination of that? So much more chance to reach out to them before they arrive combine them with maybe you know a more traditional physical um freshers week and all of all of that kind of induction that ha happens face to face but actually there's part of what you've done this year that you'll probably now take forward into future years oh definitely absolutely and i think particularly um you know the ue students on the whole are um students who are you know highly academically uh, qualified and and have and are absolutely brilliant you know some of the things our students um say and and the work they produce is of really really high quality but a lot of them didn't think that uh, they would necessarily end up at university a lot of them have taken different pathways or 
um, and, and often they lack in confidence. Um, and I think um, we miss this really critical period where they've got their exam results, really excited to come to university. Mm -hmm. They're still in the mindset of school and, and then we don't do enough with them. So I think we definitely will do more of that. And it kind of reminds me of, um, I went to university in, in Scotland at the University of Dundee. And um, one of the things that they did was in the summer, they had a mature student um, transition programme that the sort of school and education system is different in Scotland. So there's uh, different pathways from college to university. And, and I was involved, um, I did psychology at university and I was involved in supporting students with um, who are coming into university to understand the sort of skills that you need, the, the, way, the way the course worked really during this kind of summer induction period. And then I think it's a, it's a really great way for students to be able to process some of that and really understand things before they really um, land, I suppose, fully in their course. I think it's a really good point. Um, I, you know, no one in my family had been to university, but it's only really over the years that I've, I've sort of seen just how unprepared I was the day that I got dropped off at Southampton. You know, I was two, literally 200, probably 200 plus miles away from home. So, you know, there was no easy getting back, if you like. Um, and yet I really had no real sense of what was going to happen, what life would be like. And if you compare it to how much focus there increasingly is on, the, say, the transition from primary to secondary, because we know that that's, you know, a time, if you like, of, of quite a, a big change for, for young people in their education. You're right that in many respects, there's been far less focus on this massive thing that you do uh, when you're still comparatively young for lots of people, obviously lots of mature students go to university, of course, but, you know, leaving home at 18 quite possibly and, and getting into university is a massive step it's probably one of the first big steps you've personally taken in your life isn't it and the chance to more in a more structured way help people just do that bridge from as it were school or college life to university life is really smart I would say and, and I'm, I'm sure it probably did help them so from for the staff as well I mean how have you found it in terms of a very different autumn term, but that pre-work that you did, did that mean that staff also perhaps have reflected on students, students coming into UE that ultimately were, were sort of better prepared for the courses that they were about to start doing? Um, yeah, I think, I think there's been lots of different reflections from staff over since March, really. Um, I think, I think we've been really aware of how um, of some of the challenges our students face and and we've really proactively tried to do that so um, we did a lot of work um, over the spring period really thinking about what are the barriers our students face and how do we help them to, to deal with that um, how do we make sure that for example IT equipment isn't a, a barrier so we put together a digital capability bursary that um, that is targeted at really at a programme level to make sure that students have what they actually need on individual programmes. And there's a lot of work went into that. Um, but I think also, um, I think it, it, often we have to sort of check our own assumptions. Um, I think for a lot of students, face-to-face um, -face and blended learning wasn't nearly as much a big deal as it was for some of our staff. Um, 
you know, a blended approach and an online approach actually is kind of normal, I think, for a lot mm -hmm. of 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And it isn't normal necessarily for all of our staff. And yeah, actually, um, you know, I think for often for students and, and you know, within FutureQuest, we work closely with um, further education colleges as well. And they've said the same thing. A lot of students that are particularly vulnerable or or are, are lacking in confidence or anxious or whatever, actually find an online introduction to your staff member much more accessible. You know, they're much more likely to want to come in and meet you face to face if they've had a bit of a chat online first and done it through a video chat. And and I think that's been something that we've really sort of reflected on. How do we use that blended model to, to the, you know, the greatest advantage, I suppose. And I, th I suppose linking back to all the work that you did online before students turned up also how you can take all of that learning from this term you know read the academic staff and put that into perhaps having them meet some of their tutors um before they turn up and, and using that as a way i suppose to enable that to happen as well yeah definitely and we had we had some um some people who were really at the cutting edge of that even before uh, this year you know there was one of our academics used to do Facebook live videos and the students really, really engaged with that. Um, and I think that um, since March, I think the thing that we've all realized is how much how much is possible that we didn't think was possible before. Um, I, I found, you know, sometimes you like back and you, um, you almost like have a false memory about something and it sort of shocks you. I am. Um, mm -hmm. I was uh, I'd, in March, we were supposed to be having a sort of cross university group meeting and um, I'm the co-chair of the group. So me and the other chair decided to cancel the meeting because of COVID-19, which was absolutely the right thing to do in the moment. We didn't have capacity to deal with, with the meeting. But when I looked back at the email when we were replanning the next meeting, the, the reason I'd given was that it wasn't possible to do it online. <laughs> you know, that written down I was just like I surely I didn't send that email I can't believe I said that and um and it just really goes to show how far things have moved yes that yeah that's not a reason at all not to do something so yeah well I mean it is it is absolutely incredible and I'm sure that eventually somebody will do the you know these social history you know, artifacts almost of a year when everything changed, which was 2020. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of the students at UWE will do it, in which case your email should be part of that because <laughs> it's quite striking, isn't it? Um, yeah. We will become utterly fluent, of course, on, on Zoom and, and everything. But I mean, obviously, there's so much more that um, the University of West England does to make sure that your doors are wide open to the widest possible group of, of young people and that's one of the reasons we've been working with you on the social mobility pledge on an action plan tell us a little bit about why this matters to UE in terms of being open but also some of those programs like future quest that have really helped make sure that you're allowing young people with potential to get into higher education to do just that with you mm. I think social mobility really matters at UWE and it, it matters because um, because it, it's something that has personally affected the lives of, of a lot of our staff and a lot of our students and because we are really part of the city region um, and you know we really are a local a local university with 
with absolutely with an international reach though. Um, so we've been working in collaboration with others in the city to try and uh, widen access to higher education and make sure we're supporting the students that we have really well and trying to you know close the gaps in, in experience for our students for a long time for as for as long as the university has been in existence probably I would imagine um certainly all my time working at UWE has been on on this topic really um but four years ago we had the opportunity or a bit more than four years ago really we had the opportunity to form a partnership with um, all of the higher education providers in the local region um, that was funded by the, um, through the, from the government fundamentally, but through the Office for Students, which is the higher education regulator. Um, and the aim of that really was to address the fact that there's still persistent gaps in the rate of people going to higher education in different areas. And, um, and this really matters because it's not it's not the case, you know, there was some stuff in the media recently about people saying, oh, you know, we shouldn't be aiming for 50% of people to go to higher education. And I'm not really interested in that overall figure. What I'm interested in is that the difference geographically, the fact that there are some areas of Bristol where 100% of 18 year olds go to university at the age of 18. And there are other areas where 10% do. And regardless of whether you're looking for an overall 50% figure or 40% or 60 or whatever, that doesn't really matter to me. What matters, that difference can't be fair, frankly, on anyone, including the people, the children in the, the areas where everyone goes to university, um, because there should be choice in that. Um, and, it, and, um, so that and that really matters to, to UWE. Um, and what we felt was that within Bristol, there are some areas of Bristol where there's persistently low rates of, of participation in higher education, and it hasn't really changed um, enough over the past 10 years, I would say. Um, and that's despite there being a lot of work going on. And what we felt was that often what happens is that there ends up being lots of small teams that end up sort of competing with each other. And the schools mm -hmm. that are- not strategic. Yeah, exactly. And schools that are most in need of the support end up spending time trying to work out whether they want to do this programme or that programme or how these programmes fit together. And, and we saw this opportunity to, uh, this funding package of Connect as an opportunity to join that up and form the four higher education providers. So the two universities, UWE and the University of Bristol, um, and the two FE colleges that offer higher education um, options within the city, City of Bristol College and SGS College, um, to work together, to join up therefore, and to work with charities who offer brilliant provision and, and can really provide some targeted um, opportunities for young people. Um, so that we had a more coherent offer and that it all linked up within a, a progression framework. So it wasn't just every individual activity had to transform someone's life chance because frankly, none of them individually are going to do that. But overall, if there's a whole package and it fits together in a way that makes sense, we all might have a chance of doing what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so you're four years in, you've all stuck at it, you've worked in partnership, you've brought in these other charities as you say Suzanne that also have a really deep understanding how do you feel the progress has been um, I mean my sense is that actually that hypothesis of, of partnership and then working systemically is really starting to have an impact I think so I think it really is uh, it's not easy to work collaboration either when there's 
genuine competition as well at times. Um, but I think it is having an impact. You know, schools at the moment are so overwhelmed with trying to deal with COVID-19 and the restrictions and catch up and all the rest of it. And in Bristol, this term, we've seen a, a significant increase in cases and that has had huge impact on schools. And despite that, we have schools engaging with us regularly and wanting to book in activities, wanting to use our materials and seeing FutureQuest as a way of supporting their young people to think about their futures. Tell um, us a little bit about, you know, the activities that FutureQuest do with schools and, and if you like, those contacts that, that they're having with young people. Yeah, so um, some of the activities um, <clears throat> are based on um, a model of um, having high expectations. A lot of them are based on that. And um, so there, there are activities that are about helping people to think about their goals. Um, we, we've um, careers guidance and advice into those activities. Um, we have activities, a lot of what the schools are looking for at the moment is helping young people to think about resilience and mental health and how to stay focused on education when, when things are tough. Um, mm -hmm. We provide um, opportunities to, well, in the past, to come to university and understand what it's really like to be a student, to meet students, to have taster sessions of different um, subjects, what it's like to study in a university setting, do things to do with study skills. Um, and one of, the, one of the charities, for example, that we work with um, who are called South Bristol Youth, um, they run a cohort programme that involves a series of different activities um, and they started working particularly in South Bristol but they now work with us across a, a broader area as well and one of the things they did over the last few years is take all of the young people to London to visit the Houses of Parliament um, and where possible meet an MP um, mm -hmm. and that that has been... I was just thinking that'll put them off politics for life probably. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll tell you the, the, I'm so impressed with the, the staff in this charity being able to organise 4,000 children getting to go to the House of Parliament <laughs> in a three day period. <laughs> they, could, they could help with the um, COVID um, testing regime. I think it's quite a logistical <laughs> yes, situation. Um, but actually, it's, it's really powerful. And, and there was a brilliant mm -hmm. story where um, a group of children went to, a group of children, young people went to visit the Houses of Parliament, met their MP, who said to them, is there anything that I can do, anything that would make your life better? And they said, well, actually, you know what, the toilets in our school are really awful. And um, and they talked to him about it. And they were so convincing and so clear in what they wanted that the MP wrote a letter to the school saying, I was really impressed by your uh, by the young people from your school, but, you know, I really want to understand what you're going to do to improve the toilet facilities. And um, and the school contacted us to say thanks for uh, for supporting <laughs> the young people to make such a strong case. Um, but they were they were so impressed that they were able to bring about that kind of change. And you know, before going to London, they've done a lot of work on on confidence, on public speaking, on making a case, all the kinds of skills that you need to succeed in school and need to succeed at university. And they they used all of those really effectively to campaign for better toilets in their school which I believe did actually happen so so that was really positive. And also shows that in the end politics is about changing day-to-day -day lives um, and you know what what happens to you sort of inside home and and when you step out of the door. I mean I think one of the things for me is that FutureQuest really underlines that your point Suzanne actually about the fact that 
there is no magic bullet to improving social mobility and widening, if you like, the cohort of young people going into university, thinking that's something that they might be able to do. It's lots of things that have to come together, but also you don't change things overnight when they are complex. And so you have to stick with the, these sorts of projects to really give them chance to succeed because a lot of this is people seeing people in the years above them go to university and changing social norms so that that is just quite a normal thing that a lot of young people do and that's why I think you you know you almost shouldn't expect to see change overnight but you've got to give it a chance to really bed down haven't you definitely and I think that that idea of um, it being normal is so so important I think in the past a lot of um, a lot of programs trying to widen access focused on raising aspirations and it isn't about aspiration it isn't that you have children in one area of Bristol that have high aspirations and children in other that don't want nice things for their future it's not that at all obviously it's about expectations it's about what people expect for themselves but actually, more importantly, it's about what other people expect for them. It's about schools raising their aspirations for their young people sometimes, or um, parents or all of us, society, expecting that um, everyone can progress and everyone can achieve um, success and contribute to society. And I think there are so many things that can um, sort of subtly signify that um, that you don't belong, that this isn't a place for you, um, and that can mean can make you feel like um, that yeah, this isn't something that you can achieve, um, and that is so important. And showing role models um, can help people to see that that there are other ways of being, there are other ways of doing this, and you don't have to look like the or or be like the person that you imagine. You know the kind of um, professor in an ivory tower you know you can have studied in an FE college and then moved on and done your PhD mm. and become a university researcher you don't need to have four generations of professors in your family in order to be able to access that kind of career and and I think that that is so important and and um, social mobility is one of those things that people don't see um, so it's really important that we we showcase that and that's why we've started this I am first gen campaign that helps us to tell those stories of people who are first generation to higher education and and we were so delighted that you and, and our vice chancellor um kind of jointly um, launched that for us and are happy to talk about the fact you are first generation to higher education those role models are so important indeed if you you may or may not be able to hear my dog barking in the background <laughs> just then. um no it does matter and i think it's about the what and the how actually it's about the fact that the what is raising expectations isn't it mm. of of where you can get to but i think what future quest has done so effectively is is fill in the how bit the the, the pathway towards delivering on those expectations and you know, I've always felt on aspiration, you know, yes, we should be raising aspirations, but in the sense, you're not going to get young people to believe in a better future if it doesn't really ring true for them, if they don't really know what it means or they, they don't really believe it. And that's where the sort of expectations plus then pathways comes in. It's been fantastic doing all of this work um, 
with the Social Mobility Pledge and the University of West England. Obviously, you're one of the founding members of us bringing together leading universities like the University of West England and also businesses in the Purpose Coalition. Suzanne, tell us a little bit about, we talked about young people coming into university. Tell us a little bit about how you see businesses and universities working together to close that opportunity gap that a lot of young people have and mature students as they leave university, sort of being able to really crystallize all that talent, all that development, all that focus on education, but bring that to bear on genuinely then going into those, those really great careers and jobs. Tell us a little bit about the business university link that you see happening through the coalition. Mm, I think you hit the nail on the head actually when you talked about parties. I think that's, that still counts. Um, I think that uh, the same problems exist when you're um, when you're in university and you're looking at career options, um, leaving that. And often there's this real mismatch where you have um, particularly large graduate employers who um, are trying to recruit students uh, into their graduate schemes. And they, they just, they want to widen access. They want to have social mobility. They want to diversify their workforce because there's so much evidence to show, isn't there, about the kind of the benefits to that in terms of business and the yes, yeah, the sort of um, yeah, the impact that that can have if you can diversify your your business. But they really struggle to actually do it, and I think it's I think that's where universities can really help because it's about um, us developing those really clear pathways and making things explicit for students that they don't know. Um, I was talking a few months ago to. A large, um, a large grad employer who was saying that they have, they really want to recruit more students from UWE, and they've they've tried doing their kind of typical milk crown stuff. You know, they've tried uh, coming onto campus and doing talks, and the students don't turn up, or they turn up and they don't say anything. Um, and and I think you can't underestimate the, um, like the different needs of students that depending on their background. Depend, and, and a lot of that is just awareness and understanding um, mm -hmm. and I think that there's so much that we can do um, together to develop solutions that meet the needs of our students so mm -hmm. within our um, first gen campaign um, part of it is about reaching out to business and, and we've asked them to work with us um, to develop some really specific options so develop um, some placements um, internships, some work shadowing experiencing experiences, some mentors, um, have networks within your own organization that can um, of first generation people so that you you begin to surface some of that and people feel confident talking about the fact they are first generation. Yeah. And there's no point in doing the same thing that you would do in a Russell Group University where there's a high proportion of people who work in whose parents work in professional roles in you know, 5,100 companies or in management consulting or something like that. You can't take that exact same model and just apply it to a university where people don't have access to that kind of knowledge and understanding because it doesn't mean anything to them. And they won't, they won't know how to do what they need to do in order to succeed. So you have to change what you're doing. I think that um, universities using their understanding of their own students and working with businesses, there's a real opportunity there to help business. Um, I think also with degree apprenticeships, it's the same. Like that should be, degree apprenticeships should be 
um, a way for businesses to really diversify their workforce. But we can't just treat it like an application process and do the standard, you know, basically, if you understand it, then you can apply. Because frankly, I know people who work in careers advice, whose children are trying to apply for degree apprenticeship, who are, they're finding it difficult. And they're, they're specialists, you know, in careers advice. So actually, if we're going to really see these things as an opportunity to really diversify a company, then we are going to have to work together with students, with young people, and frankly, with people who are first generation education involved to make sure that we, um, we challenge our own assumptions about that and we do something different. I totally agree. And I think it's why I'm so excited about the Purpose Coalition, because it really enables us to bring all of you leading universities on social mobility with all of your really deep insight together with those businesses that are steadily starting to make some of those changes. Um, and I, I think we can make a, a real difference in widening their pipeline in the same way that you've managed to widen your own. But Suzanne, you've obviously been in education as a career. Mm-hmm. Tell us just a little bit about your own personal path that sees you ending up, you talked about going to university and didn't Dundee, but you end up in an entirely different bit of the country. Yeah. Uh, and in the University of West England. Tell us a little bit about that career path and your own journey. Yeah, so um, I grew up in the south of Scotland and in the in the Scottish borders in a small town. And, um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to leave my small town and go somewhere bigger. Um, and I knew I wanted to go to university. Um, I remember doing careers advice at school which was like a questionnaire thing you had to fill out. And um, mm-hmm. and I was told that I should become a vicar. Uh, <laughs> interesting choice. Um, and, and it was just incredibly unhelpful and quite vague. <laughs> and uh, so I decided to do psychology because I liked it and I was interested in, in, um, in sort of how people think and but I had absolutely no understanding of anything at all so I did have some family um, experience of higher education in my family my, my grandfather had actually been a, a, a university lecturer and um, but he died when I was very very young and and one other member of my extended family had sort of completed university and and everyone else had it, there just wasn't really a lot of a lot of real knowledge and 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 kind of um yeah support there I mean everyone was very supportive but they didn't really know how to help that journey I suppose and so I just felt like I constantly blundered into things without really knowing what I was doing and um when I was when I was at university I don't think I ever went to the career service so I think I went once and they gave me another questionnaire and I don't know told me I should become a social worker or something and but I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do and I remember going to a careers fair and wandering around it thinking what am I supposed to do with this like I'm I don't want to talk to these folks I've got absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to say to them Mm -hmm. and I don't understand what any of these companies do and that's not going to look very good for an employer I guess I should have done some research first and um and then I kind of drifted a little bit I suppose after uni I really didn't just didn't know I thought about doing a PhD but I decided against it and um and then I decided you know what I like education 
education really matters to me. I think it's transformational fundamentally. I felt like I had um, developed and grown during my time at university, even if not in a career's way. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I thought that's what I want to do. I want to help other people to be able to see the benefit of education and be able to kind of really benefit from that. Beyond that, I've got no idea what I want to do. So I thought <laughs> I'll apply for a job but in the university. <laughs> yeah, that was a start. And so literally what I did was I applied. I knew I also wanted to leave Scotland um, for a bit. Um, you just live a bit further away from home for a little bit and see how that was. And so I applied for any job in a university that I thought I could do. Um, mm -hmm. And I got a job, at, um, not, not at UWE, but at another university in the south of England. And, and it, I, it was funny because I was working in, um, in a business school and I, was, I suddenly was working with these students who were going to be um, management accountants or who wanted to work in consultancy or who wanted to work in the city. And the south of Scotland is really far away from London, it feels. And it particularly then, like this was before the financial crash. Mm -hmm. I had absolutely no idea what happened in the city. I didn't, I don't think I knew the city was a thing. I just thought that meant London. Mm -hmm. And so I suddenly, I'm in this situation where I've got these students who are 18 and I was like 25 and there, you know, I'm supposed to be the one helping them do find opportunities and connect with people in the city. And I'm like, <laughs> is that not the same thing? Is an asset manager not the same as a trader? Like, I've got no idea what I'm talking about at all. And I just felt so completely out of my depth. And, um, and it was really, really um, difficult for me for, for a long time. I felt so intimidated by, our, by the students I was working with, to be honest. Um, and then I, I started working with some of the master students and, and they were, they often had done an undergraduate degree somewhere else and then were coming to top up and they, they had these sort of vague aspirations of wanting to be a consultant or something. And there was an element that sometimes they were a little bit looked down on and they were a bit like, you know, they hadn't, they didn't have the same pedigrees, I suppose. Um, and they struggled to get into things. And, and so really that was the point where I started um, working with other colleagues to try and develop a support system that would really help them connect with businesses and give them the kind of the necessary skills um, mm -hmm. to kind of be able to apply for a job. So we didn't do typical careers advice, but what we did was like, um, what is an assessment center? <laughs> like, mm -hmm you know, rapid information that you would need if you want to get into, uh, you know, KPMG or Accenture or anything like that. Like, what is it that we, what, what do these companies do? Um, how do you apply to them? How do you show that you're the type of person that wants to work for them? And giving them opportunities to meet people in those companies and um, kind of cutting out all of the nice, fluffy, like, thinking about what you want to do with your life, because um, that was really what they needed. And and then, um, and I, that really sort of sparked my passion, I suppose. And then an opportunity came up at UWE and I, I moved here to work particularly on helping the university to develop a, a plan around widening access and support for students. Um, and really bringing in all of that lived experience you'd had, but then, yeah. you know, that, that early career experience that you'd had around trying to connect up young people who were coming out of their business school but university with careers 
yeah exactly i guess now you know culminates in all of the work you know that you're still developing actually at ue but the work that you've already been doing on the ground which is fantastic Mm, yeah definitely i think um you know the it was really useful those those years working in a different context because um with that i i can sort of see both sides now i suppose to some extent like um i feel much more like i would have fitted in as a student at ue um but i can also now see from my from my experience of working somewhere else and working with people and students from different backgrounds um i can see the the piece that that they don't see um you know yes. there's always that thing of like you know you need to know uh you need to know what you don't know in order to you know there's always that bit isn't there like the kind of unknown part of the problem that you can't then fix the problem because there's something that you don't understand and I feel like uh, I now have that insight into um into the things our students need to know and and the things that businesses might not always see um as being an assumption that they're making yeah um, which can really help us to then develop and support that will be meaningful for our students and, and will help to guide them on that journey if that's where they want to go. I think it's fantastic work and if you were looking back now Suzanne to that younger self in you know that small town mm. in the borders in Scotland what advice do you think you'd give to yourself? Um, I think I would tell myself not to worry so much to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the main thing. Um, and not to focus so much on pure academic attainment. I think I always thought that what I needed to do was to get the best mark I possibly could, and then everything else would just fall into place. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, you know, I don't think necessarily that is the most important thing. I think, um, I think understanding where you want to go and being purposeful about the experiences you're having is much more important in some ways than pure academic attainment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so it's about all that other, all that other stuff. It's been fantastic having you on the podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then subscribe to the series or share it with a friend. See you next time.